2: Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic.
1: That's your sitter. Ladies and gentlemen to the Pickaxe Pundit Show It is me, Zach Mikosh it, like, oh, it feels like it's feels like it been a while since we have talked Editing problems, file problems Basically all the problems you can have uh, with an internet radio show We have had the past two weeks So I apologize uh, for missing you guys on, on these past two weeks But we are back, we have not actually gone anywhere um, when we are still here to talk about the Denver Nuggets, you of course are listening to Nothing But Net Radio. It's about what? Oh, it's about 4.02, 4.03 now here in the Rocky Mountains on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Um, let's let's bring in our co-host. I made two people from the Stiffs come to work uh, today on their Memorial Day weekend. First down in Colorado Springs, uh, we have with us Ashley Douglas. Ashley, what's up?
3: Not much. How's it going?
1: I uh, you know, I uh, not so bad, not so bad. It's 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 a you know a long weekend, which is always always a good thing.
3: Always wonderful.
1: Also also working on this long weekend right now is Chief Moderator Mark Romaldi. Mark, what's happening?
2: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. So, Mark, you are headed to Steamboat that this weekend. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I've actually never uh, been to Steamboat before, despite living in Colorado almost my whole life. So I'm gonna go enjoy the hot springs.
1: Ashley, have you ever been to Steamboat?
3: Um, I think I've been. To, I always mix Steamboat and Silverthorne up. I actually don't think I've been to Steamboat.
1: Wait a second, Steamboat and Silverthorne.
3: Just because which... they're both S's and they're way far away from each other.
1: <laughs> I was like, are you talking about the one next to Breckenridge or the one way up in the yeah. north side of the state?
3: The way one by Breckenridge, no,
1: yeah, that's definitely Silverthorn,
3: which yeah. is which is
1: nice. I mean, you know, they have like a uh old Chicago in the bottom of a La Quinta, so that's
3: that's that's, <laughs> that's
2: nice, <laughs> Come on. the height no.
1: of luxury, right? Right, and I, I apologize to any Silverthorn listeners we may have. I actually like
3: Silverthorn, there, you know, that's Boy right, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Go yeah. hit up
1: Keystone or Breckenridge, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Hit up the old Chicago and the La Quinta. Cheap room rate right. too. No <laughs> better place to be. Uh, no, I haven't ever, I've actually never been to Steamboat myself and I'm a Colorado native. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. kind of weird. It's kind of weird. I, I, and I live, I mean, I live fairly far north too. That's the other thing. Like I, I really should probably go one of these, one of these days. Mark, you'll have to let me know how it is. Uh, and then I can, then I can judge when I can go up there.
2: Will do. I was surprised. I thought you guys were gonna both, you know, give me a little shit for having never been a, up to Steamboat, but I'm amazed. I'm gonna be the only one who will have up this weekend. <laughs> right,
1: right. It's weird. It is weird. I've been to I've been to many many of the springs here in Colorado with Steamboat, uh, not one of them. One Anyways, of them. we are uh, we are not in fact a Colorado tourism show. We are a show about the Denver <laughs> Nuggets. So let's. Let's bring it back around. Uh, we're gonna pick up where we left off with you guys uh, a couple weeks ago. In fact, if you mi- you're gonna you actually missed one show. Uh, the last show we did, where we did a breakdown of, uh, I believe it was Will Barton and Mason Plumley. Um, that one is available on iTunes. Um, I don't even know what the other podcast apps are, to be honest with you. I'm terrible, but uh, it's available there basically in any podcast form you can find if you guys want to listen to that. We're going to keep going, though, uh, this week with, as we move along through the bench now, uh, we will get into the season of Trey Lyles, who was was sort of probably the biggest surprise, I would say, uh, of the team. And, that, well, I I say that, but then the other guy we're going to talk about is Tory Craig, who was also, also a huge surprise um, as well. And then finally as we um as we have been doing as well, there is still the NBA playoffs are still going on. Um I'm going to I'm just looking at my rundown because we planned this we planned this show last week and then we didn't get to do it. Um and we tried to give you guys the show from the week before. Uh, it's, it's it's a big complicated thing. But anyways, uh, I'm going to have to update my rundown, but we'll get into the uh we'll talk about that Cavs um Boston series. That's headed back now to Cleveland. Uh, with with Boston up 3-2. I believe that game is tonight, actually. Uh, and then, of course, Houston goes up 3-2 against the Golden State Warriors. Um, we, will, we will break down their chances. And if we have time, which we probably won't because I've been wasting a lot here already to begin with, uh, but if we have time, we'll get into uh, a little bit of some quick thoughts on the NBA lottery um, and how that never seems to break the Nuggets' way. All right, so without further ado, let's get let's get into it. First player evaluation uh, we're gonna do it here is Trey Lyles. If you guys remember, we kind of what we do is we kind of just look at it from a high level point of view and say, you know, was was this a successful season, a failure of a season, or kind of maybe just par for the course? So, uh, taking that viewpoint from Trey Lyles, I'll lead it off. I- It's anybody who's going to say I think anything other than a success would would probably have to be crazy. Just because when they picked up Lyles, I remember, and there's actually video you can probably find it if you search on our Facebook page far back enough. I remember, you know, we did a Facebook live reaction to the pick when it happened and to finding out Trey Lyles was uh, being traded to the Nuggets, and and the look on my face was just complete like bewilderment, like I had no idea. what they were doing. It made no sense to me at the time, especially with OG and right there on the board, which everybody had assumed uh, that's who they were going to pick there. Um, in the end, though, Lyles, he, you know, he was buried on the bench to start the season, but he ends up actually having a really, a really solid year off the bench for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, like I said, sort of a revelation. He came in um, very handy for them when Paul Millsap went down, uh, for such an extended period of time, obviously the nuggets had a gluttony of power forwards to choose from, but he sort of was the uh, the cream of the crop or at least he rose to that position. So when you take all those things into account and um, and the fact that he's what's still like only like 22 years old, uh, it's hard for me to say that anything but a successful season uh, for him, Ashley, would you agree or do you think there was more that he could have done this year?
3: I think it was a tremendous success. and i I also think, you know, the Nuggets front office got extremely lucky uh, with how he turned out. You know, I'd like to give them more credit for having, you know, the insight into make, you know, making that choice. but uh, i I definitely think they got lucky. And you know, the other night, LeBron James was talking about um, uh, the Boston Celtics and how injuries has has kind of made some of the younger players. Um, a little more prominent, you know, and, and I think with Paul Millsap's injury, obviously that was very unfortunate, but I think out of that, the positive was that Trey Lyles got a lot more minutes, and I think that um, his development time was really key for the Nuggets, and I think he's going to be a great bench player for them for a long time to come.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point you make about, about how the, the they kind of got lucky there um with him and and, and i i would agree to this because there's certainly a uh uh there's a, a certain amount of luck that, that that just goes into it right just like when with picking with Jokic, i mean uh i don't think anybody who even know that front office is going to say oh yeah we knew Jokic was going to be like this type of player um and i think you know maybe they maybe they wouldn't quite be as forthcoming about trey laws but i think it's kind of the same you no know, it was a it was, it's a smart move in the sense that okay you make um you know you make uh you pick up an asset Uh, a young player who's still on a rookie contract. So he's not going to cost you too much. Right. It's there's a very low risk, uh, to making that move on their end. And so then that way, if you, if you pick up the guy, um, and and he works out like he did, then, then it works out great. But I certainly don't think you just bank on that. Oh, this is definitely going to happen. Um, and, and so that, that – you're right in that point. They did get uh, they did get a little bit lucky there uh, that Trey has worked out so great. It's almost – and like you said, like that silver lining uh, to Paul Millsap's injury. So almost like they had to have some bad luck uh, to get that good luck. It's kind of – good luck. It's kind of an interesting – He came
3: point. in with like immediate poise, which is very surprising. Right. You know, right. I don't think for a guy as young as him, poise is, is often learned over time, especially coming into a new team. And so I think that was also really – uh, advantageous that that had you know that happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know he he had that chip on his shoulder um, yeah. uh, from being traded and everything, and uh, he definitely made the most of his opportunity. What about you, Mark? Would you agree that this was a successful year for for Trey Lyles?
2: Yeah, I agree with you that I think anybody would be crazy to say anything else. I mean, his rookie season he looked very good, um, showed a lot of promise, but. Uh, I don't think anybody was impressed his second year, including the Utah Jazz, obviously. Uh, So when we picked him up, I wasn't super high on the pickup. And his reputation, as far as I had heard, was basically, you know, he's tall. He's you 6'10", 6'11". He likes to shoot, but he's not shooting particularly great percentages. Doesn't really take it to the rim and doesn't play defense. Um, But I think we saw this year that he was pretty good at the pump and then putting it on the ground, a couple hard dribbles to the rim, finished at the rim really well, had a streaky shooting year, but overall still shot really good percentages, um, crashed the boards when he needed to. And at the end of the season even had some good defensive possessions. Um, so yeah, I mean, for a guy that we basically pulled out of the bench who wasn't getting any time in Utah, I don't think we can be disappointed in his production.
1: Let me ask you this, Mark, if, Let's say let's say for whatever reason the the Nuggets um, decide to move on from Paul Millsap after the season, or even if they they pick up his team option and he goes two more years, do you look at Trey Lyles as a guy who can take over and be the start every day starting power forward for this team?
2: So I think offensively I don't have many questions. Um, I think he's clearly got this shooting ability that if he's getting catch and shoot, uh, pull up three pointers from Jokic spreading the floor. Um, and, you know, offensive rebounds every once in a while. I think the offense will definitely work. Uh, The big question for everybody, I think, is defense. Um, But again, I think I was surprised at his defensive effort, and he used his length pretty well, especially at the end of the season. Um, I think it's at least worth a shot. We're not exactly a lockdown defensive team in Denver anyway, um, so I think it's something they could definitely try, and I don't agree when people say he's kind of a combo forward. I think he's a little too slow for a three. So I do think he'd have to slide into that power spot. Um, But yeah, I think it's worth a try. I think he's got a lot of talent and like Ashley said, he's poised. He seems to have a decent basketball IQ. Um, I'd like to see him as, you know, a sixth, seventh man coming out and getting buckets now. but if the spot opens up, I don't see why you don't give him a shot.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I tend to agree. I think, um like like you said it's the defense right you got a question and it. it's not so much that like you need him to be um an all-world defender it's just that because you have such a weaknesses or or not even weaknesses not not great strengths next to him uh right now when you think of the guys they got they got Wilson Chandler may, maybe for another year uh they got Nikola Jokic when, when you think about that kind of front court, it, it, you kind of need that power forward. As we've seen and as they prioritize by getting Paul Millsap, uh, you need that power forward to be sort of that defensive anchor there. And I don't know. In fact, I'd, I'd say I'm fairly confident that Trey Lyles cannot uh, be that player for you. But he's he's got uh, a lot, a lot to offer. And he's kind of one of those players that you look at and you're like, he could. Um, you know, he could be at a talent level worthy of baby being like a fifth starter or something like that. The other problem um, with, with with Lyles is that he, I think, like you were saying, he's not a combo forward. I think he'd be more effective, if anything, as a small ball center uh, if you were yeah. going to play him out of position. But I, that's kind of tough to do because you've got Nicole Jokic at center who's going to play, uh, you know, you would hope at least 36 or so minutes. There, so and then you've got Mason Plumlee behind him, who you're paying fourteen million dollars. So it's tough to find center minutes for Trey Lyles. Um, so it's, I, you know, it's even harder to say. Well, he could be off the bench, but still get starter type minutes. Just because I, I don't know if you can make that work in the rotation with the roster currently. There's not a lot of room. I'd right. like
3: to see him get a little more time than Wilson Chandler. Uh, to be honest, because I just think his you know, his time with the team has a lot more promise in the future than Wilson Chandler's does, you know. And letting him sit on the bench um, I think has been hard to see that because he was doing so well. And obviously when Paul Millsap comes back, Paul Millsap starts. Right. Um, but, you know, they were playing Wilson Chandler in there a little bit, uh, you know, with Will Barton, kind of three, versatile three position. And um, I don't know. I just would like to see Trey Lyles get that time because, I, you know, uh, like Mark was saying, I do think he's a little more defensively minded, and there's not a lot of nuggets that are.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think he's um, like I, I, I agree that he's uh, he should probably get some minutes over Wilson Chandler, just because if if you when you look at, think about what you're getting out of Wilson Chandler, especially when you're playing him at the four, um, a lot of that a lot of that lyles uh, lyles can give you as well because he's still well. I, well, I don't think he's quick enough to play the three. Uh, I do think he's quick enough to play small smaller power forwards uh in the league. A guy like like for example if he was trying to defend a Wilson Chandler um it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how, if Chandler's back of course. It's going to be interesting how they work that rotation because you are right I, I I tend to think that they should probably start investing more especially because you I mean if Chandler's back you have to understand he's probably in the final year uh with the team. So mm-hmm. So, may, maybe in his final few months, because he'd be an expiring contract, they might might even try and trade him at some point during the season. Um, so like do you really want to give him that kind of time uh, right. when, when trey Lyles is is a guy who maybe you're looking towards
2: being more of a guy um, long term who's gonna be part of your team's future? I, I definitely agree with that. that point. I think you hit on it too, when you talked about Mason Plumley because I wouldn't mind seeing him get some backup center minutes over Plumley. Right now, the rotation often has Millsap coming out before Jokic. Right. But in some lineups, if Jokic comes out and Lyles slides in, I think Millsap and Lyles uh, can work pretty well together with decent floor spacing and Millsap helping on the defensive end. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing some of that combo next year too.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would uh, that would that would be a nice uh, a nice pairing. Certainly will make, make it gives you a, it gives going to give opposing teams some uh, matchup problems uh, there, and it's going to keep your lane wide open as well so that's that that's another that's another benefit of just having Trey Lyles in general is, is he can stretch that floor probably better than any power forward on the team um outside of maybe Tyler Lydon but who knows uh, who knows what you <laughs> can out of Tyler Lydon um i was serious though Tyler Lydon can shoot it man. that's the, that's the one thing I know he can do um all right let's let's go ahead let's let's shift um and let's move over to the Tory Craig now who like I was saying at, at the opening uh, I thought I thought that Trey Lyles off the top of my head was that was the biggest surprise of the season but I I might actually say it's Tory Craig who was by far my favorite on just a personal level um, was my favorite guy uh, on the nuggets this year a favorite guy to interview he was always always very open uh, to talk about stuff he always had some cool stories about uh, Australia as well and and the playing down there in the NBL so Definitely, definitely super excited for Tory Craig and, and, and the season he had. I don't think there's any way you could call it anything but a success. I mean, here's a guy who was playing in Australia last year, gets on kind of this new quirk, this two-way contract that they've just opened up this season. Uh, has, and, and he does that by just having uh, a great summer league and training cramp. Um, and then after you know he gets on he's he's playing down in the, in the G League he's dominating the G League our, our site manager Adam Maras would call was fond of calling him the Le, the LeBron James uh, of the G League and <laughs> and so basically forces the Nuggets hand right and and, and makes them um, makes them bring him up the the Nuggets uh, and then and then they have the whole the full 45 days shenanigans um, but that—that that was because he was so good that, like, the Nuggets wanted to play him. Like, Coach Malone said that right when they brought him up. He said, "I'm not bringing up Torrey Craig to sit at the end of the bench. I'm bringing up Tory Craig to play," uh, and he stuck to his word. I mean, he—he he definitely played Torrey. Torrey played some big minutes for, uh, for the Nuggets. Definitely a successful season. Uh, Ashley, what would you say? I mean, right? That it's got to be considered a successful year for Tory Craig.
3: Absolutely, I think you know he's got an incredible opportunity with being able to showcase his abilities while also you know, maintaining his his talents while he's in the G League. What I like about Torrey Craig is that he is a player the Nuggets have brought on that is a two-way player out of the gate. He plays offense and defense versus somebody trying to teach somebody who does not and is not interested in playing defense. You know, I think that's probably why the Boston Celtics have been so successful is because Danny Ainge has done a great job of filling that roster with defensive minded players. And, you know, I would like to see the nuggets do more of that in their drafting and in their trades. And I think Tory Craig is a great step in that direction, um, in the backward, especially.
1: Right. Yeah. He's, uh, I think he's unquestionably their best wing defender, you know, out of, uh, out of anybody. I, I mean, I know Gary Harris got a couple votes for uh, defensive, uh, second team, all defense this year, but, um, in my eyes, Torrey Craig was 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 definitely their their best defender, and they need that they need that so badly because, like we were kind of talking about before, with the with the way their front court is set up, and then especially with Paul Millsap out, um, you've got to be able to stop uh, stop uh, the ball at the point of attack because once once those guys get into into the lane there's not there wasn't much in the way of defense and that's that's one of the reasons I think why they brought Torrey Craig up so quickly was because they said, "Man, well, this guy can really help us just because of his defense alone." And then he turned out to be, you know, he's a decent shooter uh, and he's a decent athlete. So, uh, he brings something to your to your team. Uh, offensively, well, obviously a guy you're probably not going to draw too many plays up for, but uh, he's got a ton of hustle as well. So he he sort of makes plays um, for himself. Mark, uh, I'm guessing you're you're also with us on this one, Tori Craig. A successful season?
2: Yeah, I mean, I could go the other way to make it interesting and debate, but I think it's pretty <laughs> clear that it was a success. I mean, when they first introduced the two way contracts. I was picturing the kind of guys that often got 10-day contracts or were the last guy cut when they had to bring somebody on at the end of the season. And you think of, you know, Julian Stone and Quincy Miller and Eric Green and Axel Toupon and guys like that. Monty Morris. Right, exactly. And then Torrey Craig, I mean, when he used up his 45 days at the end of the season, a lot of people, myself included, were saying, you know, it's going to be bad if we make the playoffs – that I'd love to see the Nuggets have Torrey Craig to use in the playoffs. And I certainly never had that conversation about Eric Green. So, (laughs) I mean, for the contract they had him on especially, I think it was a huge success. But, I mean, he's a guy I'm hoping the Nuggets signed to a a three-year deal and just let him get the speed of the NBA, actually practice with the team next year, and I think he's going to look great. Right, right. Here's
1: the thing I kind of worry uh, on that front – um. Actually, you know, I want I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get in gonna get that too a little bit. Um. I think though. I uh, getting just kind of back. Like he, he. The, the, he was like we were talking about that that this two way contract. Right. It was kind of this, uh, this this weird thing that yeah, you didn't really expect uh anything big out of you think exactly you are thinking you think guys like or like a Jakar Sampson. Or, I could go on. Oh, we could do like, you know, Nick Jennings or Costas Papa Nikolau. Yeah, <laughs> There's a list of them. Um, now this is becoming
2: like trivia, <laughs> right?
1: right. <laughs> who's the who's the most random stiffiest player you can find uh, in the Nuggets history? <laughs> I could I could do a whole show on that actually, uh, but no, I mean Torrey Craig though was sort of this revelation, and there was a couple of other guys around the league um, who were the same way. The thing that I think that sucks about it though is, and I guess maybe, and it'd be interesting to ask Tori about it, but he, I'm sure Tori's Tori's very good at the media. He's uh, he knows he knows how to talk to us, so he, I'm sure he wouldn't reveal much on this. But you wonder, like, okay, what what's more important in his mind, or wh- or how does he feel out of it? Because on one hand, he got this amazing opportunity, he made the most of it, um, and he got uh, you know, and and now he's probably setting himself up for the future. Uh, on the other hand, he kind of got a raw deal because I don't care what anybody says. Torrey Craig was definitely with the team more than 45 days. Like, I can't – nobody can prove that. And the Nuggets, you know, they did the – they found the loopholes and said, oh, he wasn't with this team or they made him travel on a charter plane. I think the Clippers were doing that with one of their guys. You know, so they, they found these these loopholes to, to make days not count. But realistically, I mean, they, they weren't sending him back down to the G League on these days and then calling him back up later, right? Like, they were just – uh, they were just not counting uh certain days by by finding ways to technically say he wasn 't with the team um, which many many teams did this season and and so like he kind of he kind of gets a raw deal right like he should have probably got more money because the the his two way the way the two way contract works is is every day uh that you 're up at the the n b a level you 're getting paid an n b a salary versus when you 're down at the g league level getting paid. Um, a G League salary, so which is significantly lower. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. Like Ashley, what do you think? Do you think it's just, uh, just kind of like part of paying paying the dues or whatever? Because now he's he made that he's probably made himself into a, an everyday NBA player, or or do you kind of think this this two way contract sets these guys up for a raw deal?
3: Well, I think perhaps he may may have been on the wrong end of of giving more time than you know he should have, but at the same time. What that That is going to lead to a certain contract in the NBA for him. And so he's got to keep those kinds of things in mind. And I, I am certain that having a good attitude about it probably had a big impact for him with the organization. And if he's having a good attitude, then it probably means he's going to fit in well here because going cheap is peak nug life. So <laughs> right. if he can be excited about that and be on board, then... Uh, you know, good for him. I, I hope I hope the Nuggets do give him a contract. But, you know, it, maybe if they don't, um, another team has seen the way he plays and is interested in getting him on board. I mean, again, you see you, you are starting to see teams now have a more fo- a better focus on drafting two way players and I think right. and signing two way players. And so I think that um, his type of position is going to be well secured in the future
1: right yeah i i uh i agree it's it's kind of it's just an interesting dynamic because he was he's one of the first right it was the very first year uh that they came out with this and i think man it's almost like i wish they would just it, it would be way more simple if they would just make a decision on and instead of on days it was games like he can be yeah. on a considered part of the roster for this many games a season and then that's it that like then there's there's none of this uh then this other Travel kind of weirdness. right yeah exactly um Mark, Mark, I'm interested to get your perspective on this. What do you think of the whole, the whole deal, kind of, oh, he's not with the team, but he is with the team uh, sort of thing, and how that affects the way he gets
2: paid? So I'm a little shocked to start with that the NBA, when they wrote this rule into effect, didn't plan better on what a day actually meant. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised there's no one in the room raised their hand and said, well, what do we mean by a day? Mm-hmm. Um, That being said, I I agree with you that I think I would prefer it be games than days just because we're setting these guys up to the point where they don't get to practice with the team. So they can really only be in filler spots unless they're coming in for just a defensive um, possession or things like that. It's hard to get really the flow of the offense or the playbook down if you're not allowed to practice. But obviously no team is going to waste a day on practice on somebody that they might actually need. So I think limiting a number of games would be really smart. I'd also like to see... Um, A certain amount of games then additionally allotted for the playoffs, because I feel like a team that, you know, plays 82 games like the Nuggets did and has Torrey Craig gets Torrey Craig for approximately half of the season. If all the days go to games, Um, if you make the playoffs, you're almost punished for that because then you get your two way player for a lower percentage of the season than teams that missed the playoffs. So I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, one or two games per series. You can also have those guys in.
1: Right, that would be that man. That would make a, that would certainly make a, a very a whole new interesting curveball to the whole playoff series. Right, if you if the Nuggets had made the playoffs, right, and they knew okay, so for like let's say three, because it's you can only you can't use more than half uh, of the games possible in a series, so you can only use uh, three games uh, with with a a two way player. I mean, the, how the Nuggets would have managed that would have been an incredibly uh, would have been an incredibly interesting topic. I like that idea. That's
2: right. It'd be fun to discuss. I mean, do you front load it and go three straight games, or if you're up two zero, do you you know send them back down until you're back home again and use home court advantage? I mean, it, it would just be an interesting wrinkle, and it gives those guys an opportunity to display what they can do in the playoffs.
1: Right, right. I was going to say the other, you know, the other option they could have done, done is they could have just cut Richard Jefferson and uh, <laughs> play and gave, gave Tory Craig a contract. That would have that would have given them. Uh, That way as well, but you never know. I mean, not every time does a team have that that kind of option where they've got a guy just sitting there on a a one-year deal who it pretty much doesn't matter at that point if they cut him uh, or not. All right, well, I'll tell you what, uh, well, no, let, I'll just give it to Torrey Craig one more time. Uh, so, here, so here's what I'm thinking about. I want to get this in real quick. So Torrey Craig, because he's a two-way contract, will now become a restricted free agent um, with the Denver Nuggets, which means any team can offer him a contract. He can accept a contract from any team. However, uh, the Denver Nuggets also have the right to match uh, any contract that um, that, that uh, team offered. Uh, Mark, I'm going to go throw this back to you first with knowing where the Nuggets are salary cap wise, which is they do not have uh, a ton of space, especially if if Wilson Chandler and Darrell Arthur opt in. And then also they have to pay Nicole Jokic. They have to pay Nicole Jokic. So they if they do that, um, they don't have a ton of money. Uh, They're already into the luxury tax. Are you concerned that another team is going to be able to swoop in and get Torrey Craig out from under the Nuggets now because they're just not going to be able to pay him?
2: So it's definitely a possibility, but that's the beauty of the restricted free agency, um, is that the Nuggets can kind of sit and wait and see what happens with Wilson, what happens with Arthur. Because if one of them opts out or the Nuggets make a trade to get out from under, you know, Farid or Arthur, some kind of salary dump like that, then all of a sudden I think you can absolutely offer Torrey Craig a three-year $12 million or three-year $15 million, something that, you know, only a 4 or $5 million a year hit, which isn't that bad. Um, the problem's going to be if like a lot of people think Arthur and Wilson opt in and the Nuggets can't get off of Farid unless no other teams really coming knocking for Tory Craig. It would be tough for the Nuggets to match unless they've just accepted they're going to go into the tax.
1: Right, right. And that's the thing is like if, if that happens and Nicole has been signed to a max deal. Uh, those guys are both up to the, if the doomsday scenario, right? And they can't get off Fareed, they can't get off Arthur, uh, they couldn't get <laughs> off Chandler, they can't do anything, and they, and they have to take on all that salary. You'd assume Will Barton at that point is also gone. Um, any, any dollar, any uh, contract you give, Tory Craig that year counts as double because you got to pay the luxury the luxury tax on it as well, um, and, and that's. Right. I really like mm-hmm. Tory
2: Craig, but I don't know if you pay the tax for Tory but, Craig.
1: Right. Let me ask you this, Ashley. Like, what, what do you think? Like, what do you think is is going to be too much uh, for the Nuggets if they're in the tax and, and and Tory Craig gets another offer?
3: Um, you know, I don't I don't know what would be too much. I think Kroenke tends to err on the side of of cheap whenever they can and so that's that's what's tough is they're not they're not interested in investing a ton into the team and so I think the pro they've set themselves up for a really bad situation you talk about it being a nightmare situation but I don't know that it's all together that out out of reach because no oh, no it's
1: definitely possible
3: they've they've totally tapped Fareed's value they've they've decreased Wilson Chandler's value and you know whatever Darrell Arthur is around for I like Terrell Arthur, but again, he's rotting at the end of the bench. And so the Nuggets are paying all these salaries and they have this great two-way player right now that they could get their hands on. And if they don't find a way to get out from under those other contracts, then they could very well be in, in trouble financially. And I don't think that they, I think that they probably will err on the side of, of letting him go before they pay any sort of luxury tax. So yeah, for that, that, for them, that's too much—the luxury tax. Right
1: to me, it, it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell to to ownership, or or you know, well, essentially ownership. Right, they're the ones who ultimately foot the bill. When you tell them, yeah, we've got to pay this much for Torrey Craig, um, and it's nothing against Tory. Like I said, he's a very good player, but but when his salary counts as double, then you think they're going to him because I think Tori, I think uh, he's probably going to get somewhere around like right. The the Nuggets would have to sign him under what would be called the the biannual exception. Which I think is 2.8 million uh, per season. They also will have the the mid level exception, and I think that's eight million total. But they can they can break those up. They don't have to use them all on one player. Um, so I think he's somewhere in between that 2.8 and maybe like four million a season range. So you, either the full biannual or about half of their mid level. Um, and, and and so if they're going to do that, you know, it, it's a hard pitch to say. Well, it's a four million dollar contract, but we actually have to pay eight million dollars. Uh, for Torrey Craig, eight million a season at least this year. That's that's a tough that's a tough sell, I think. And um, well,
3: and then they're paying Mason Plumley sixteen million dollars a year. So that right. I mean, it's just they they're not real savvy when it comes to that part of the, <laughs> the
1: right they've, team
3: strategy. You know,
1: they've they've sort of they've definitely struggled. Uh, if if you could probably the largest criticism you could have of, of this front office is they have struggled. Um, when it came to re-signing their own players, they've, they've, um, you know, they've, they've generally probably, uh, it's hard to say because it's all hindsight now. But you know, they, they've probably overpaid um, all those guys. I remember when Darrell Arthur actually was signed. Most people viewed that as a good deal, but it was really, in, but now in hindsight, you realize well that was just because that was the year the NBA was going nuts and everybody was getting paid. Uh, big contracts and and so that that 7 million a season for for 3 years with a with a player option on the end uh that that seemed like a good deal at the time now now it certainly doesn't I think for Reed's deal has always probably seemed uh pretty rough I don't think Mason Plumlee's deal has ever been uh, all that uh received all that well either so yeah you're right I mean they they've kind of put themselves in a bind and it sucks is that then so now they've done the hard work and they found this diamond in the rough um, and, and I mean, if a team's willing, if there's a team willing out there to pay Tory Craig, uh, $6 million a season, like he's gone. There's, there's no way the Nuggets, uh, nope. are going to match that kind of offer on, right. you know? So, and, and a team could, you know, they could potentially front load a deal, uh, for Tory Craig. And then, so just making it so tough for the Nuggets because the Nuggets, the good thing about having all those bad contracts is other than Plumlee. They pretty much all come off the books next season. So, uh, you know, they could, and, and potentially if they want the biggest contract, which is Paul Millsaps, can come off the books next season as well. So they have a ton of space uh, starting next season. Granted, they're going to have to pay Jokic. Eventually they're going to have to pay Murray. Uh, they might have to pay Lyles. But They're going to have, uh, a lot of space next year. So this isn't as big of a deal next year. So if a team comes in and kind of front loads uh, a contract for Torrey Craig and it gets cheaper in successive years, that doesn't, that's not going to help the Nuggets at all because they're going to have to pay that tax this year. And that's, that's where they're going to be in a bind um, when it comes to Torrey. I, I got to tell you guys, I, I, when I look at it, I think it's probably uh, unlikely unless they're able to um, get off of probably Farid's contract. Uh, more than any, but that it seems like to be the one that they would have to try and move. Um, and that, I don't know because you also got to resign Will Barton if you want to do that. Like, it's hard to see a scenario in my mind uh, where Torrey Craig is back with the Nuggets next year, unless, like you pointed out, Mark, unless nobody else um, is it really offering him any sort of deal, which I think also uh, to be unlikely. Yeah. All right, tell you what. Well, let's go ahead. Let's uh, let's hit a break. We are we're actually doing pretty good on time, so we may have to we may have to come up with some quick thoughts on the lottery. Um, but we will we will or we'll just make something up to to end the show. Maybe I'll maybe I'll <laughs> surprise you guys with like some random like um. Some really random trivia. I wonder what's going on right now. I could call up some random trivia during the second half of the show <laughs> for you guys to have to answer. Uh, I might think about that. But let's go ahead and hit a break. Uh, and When we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk playoffs and maybe we'll talk a little bit of water. X pundit show. Zach Bikosch with DevinStiffs.com. We're here with Ashley Douglas, Mark Grimaldi. We spent that first half of our show breaking down Trey Lyles, Torrey Craig's season. We're almost through the player breakdowns. I think we've got, uh, boy, we're, 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 into, we're starting to get into the dregs. We got like Devin Harris. Uh, maybe we can break down, uh, who else played this year? That's the, <laughs> that's the big key. I don't think we have too many more. Um, to go but uh anyways we are uh we are still keeping up with the tradition of the second half of the show which is uh which is kind of getting into just some general nba stuff and talking nba playoffs because why not they are here uh and and they are they're finally interesting right they finally are really uh everybody thought these these conference finals were going to be a bust with the way they started and teams winning in double digits but it's turned out that both of them um, are actually going to be be very compelling series. In fact, the two teams that coming into uh, these conference finals that you probably would have put as the favorites on each side, the two teams at Vegas certainly put as uh, the favorites, or at least that's the, indicating the way people were betting. Cavaliers and Warriors. Those are the two teams down three games to two right now. So it's um, it is it is actually turned out to be quite an entertaining series. Let's uh, I want, uh, let's go to the Eastern Conference first and talk about that one um i kind of know where ashley's going to be on this one so i'm going to go over to mark first um mark what cleveland down three two what do you think are do they are they still in this or or is this series are they about to be eliminated by the celtics
2: so if i had the guess i think this series has mostly just gone to the home team i think that right. cleveland probably wins game six Yep. Uh, going back to Boston, um, obviously no one wants to play LeBron in a closeout game, Game 7, but I've picked Boston the whole time and I'm going to stay with it. I just don't think that there's enough um, around LeBron. I mean, he's doing everything he can. There's a reason he looks tired. Um, yep. This is couldn't be a knock at LeBron at all to say that I don't think they can pull it out, but when your second best option is Kevin Love, who's looked kind of bad, and then your third is Kyle Korver at this age, you just shouldn't <laughs> advance to the finals,
1: right? When you're when you're getting when you're talking about getting wins off gutsy Kyle Korver performances, you know <laughs> you're like, all right, it's uh, it is it is slim pickings here. Um, I I you know I, I um, I actually still think Cleveland actually gets this this series win just because, like you said. So here's the thing. Uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go beat LeBron in Cleveland. Boston has not been a good road team. That's been the kind of their only weakness this season. Um, so that that I think works against them. And then, man, I just hate. I can't I can't do it. I can't bet against LeBron in a game seven, even if it is in Boston. Because the thing is, he I don't think the Boston environment in any way scares LeBron. I mean, he's been there and done that plenty of times. He's he's definitely won um, in the Garden without a problem. So <clears throat> I um I don't know, man. I just I just have a hard time thinking. I think Cleveland, on the back of LeBron, probably alone, uh, is going to get it done. But I think, like, I'm not counting out him like putting up like a 55 point, uh, 12 rebound, 13 assist performance in Game Seven in Boston to just will his team into the finals. That's uh, that that would just be the next part of his legacy, and 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 would just be what we have seen him do time and time again in his career. All right, Ashley. So. Uh, I know where you're going, so let's hear why the why the Boston Celtics are winning this series.
3: Well, so actually, per, so let me let me start by saying,, uh, the Nuggets are my number one team always will be, um, <laughs> uh, but I'm a Boston Celtics fan. so part of part of my optimism is hope because i I'm enjoying watching them play. However, um I, I know it's foolish to count against LeBron in the playoffs. But I also feel the same way about the Celtics right now. So I'm kind of just, Interested to see what happens because I know LeBron has that championship mentality. He's able to get the job done in crazy situations and and you, you literally can't ever count him out. But I think the Boston Celtics are playing loose and free right now. They're on borrowed time. They're really, they don't have any pressure. And so Um, you know, what I've seen for, from LeBron, that's, that's concerning to me is that he hasn't had as much time to, to, you know, develop the, the rest of his bench, you know, develop his leadership status with them. And so he's just burdening a lot of, of the, or he's shouldering the burden of a lot of this, this playoff series. And I don't know, he's, he's getting older. You know, right. I don't know that you know he's visi- he's visibly like, he's, tired.
1: He's the same age as me, so be careful. Here. He's the same <laughs> age
3: as me too. I'm actually a couple of months older. So <laughs> uh, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so uh, you know, we'll see. I think I I just am super stoked about what I'm seeing from the Celtics. And right. you can't ever bet against LeBron, but I'm just going to pick the Celtics only because I, I want them to win.
1: Right. Well, I think it's, I think it's fair, and I think it's probably the most interesting thing. Uh, and we sort of saw this in in the first round as well, but one of the most interesting, uh, things to observe about this, this Eastern Conference finals is you have, on one hand, you have the Boston Celtics, who are a, um, a, a group of very good, uh, very good players, but nobody who's necessarily great—at least not with without uh, Kyrie and, and Gordon Hayward there. I mean, Al Horford is a very, very good player. Don't get me wrong, uh, but he's—he's he's not nobody's you no know, confusing Al Horford as as one of the greatest centers of all time or anything like that. You know, okay. so you've got this these group of very good players, and some of them are very young, like you said, with like like Tatum and Brown. Um, but they play together as a team, and they all are working mm-hmm. together and, and they're playing that type of basketball um, that is really defining um the nBA today and they're and, and they're also doing playing great team defense and then on the other side, right. you have uh, a collection of players, another collection of of very good players, probably not as a collection uh, as or I, I, not even probably but definitely not as good of a collection. Um, of players as Boston has, but still I mean Kevin Love is a very good player, uh, mm-hmm. you know Kyle Corver, we joke about it, but Kyle Corver's had an excellent series uh and, and you know I mean other guys other these these guys are all veteran role players um who have done it for a very long time there's nothing about the playoffs that are getting in the way, but they're they're not playing as a team right they're they're just kind of like a collection of guys kind of doing their thing, just trying to trying to make this work, uh, and normally that would set you up for disaster. But they have the ultimate, uh, mm-hmm. the ultimate trump card, which is, of course,
2: they have LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: right, exactly. Like they have the greatest player on earth right now. So, uh, yeah, that 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 can swing it, well, swing it into their favor, and that's why it's it's very interesting. And I think, um,
3: well, I, if you look at the, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, 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 no. You can go ahead.
3: If you look at the final minutes of the of the previous game, um, you, you know what you see is. The Boston Celtics do not have to leave their man to double and triple team LeBron James. And so the Celtics are, I'm sorry, the Cavaliers have had a problem with that because typically they can capitalize on that opportunity and leave a sharpshooter like Kyle Korver and uh, J.R. Smith um, open for, uh, for a nice three point opportunity. And so the Celtics have elite man to man defense. And that's, that's the main reason they've been able to stop a lot of people. They don't have, lot of reasons they need to go leave their man to defend somebody else
2: when i just keep going back to game two when lebron put up 40 points in a triple double kevin love scored something like 21 or 22 points and i think were even had an okay game and they lost by 20 and like 15 points or something like that yeah. and it's just the rest of the team that like you're saying jr is not getting those easy kickouts and in game two, Tristan Thompson didn't show up, which he had been recently. But if you're betting on Tristan Thompson in a game seven, that scares me.
3: That's well, and the Celtics only shot 36% from the field in the previous game, and they still won by double digit points. And they did that by, by using their defense. And And I think that that's just that's been the biggest difference between them and, and literally every other team they've played is that's what they lead with. And I don't know that the Cavaliers are necessarily used to that now. The, LeBron James can, can do that all day, right? but again, LeBron but James can so much.
1: Is, right. And everybody else on that team on defense is terrible. Yeah. just like, a, yeah, I think, Cleveland has been an awful defensive team, like, the entire season. Uh,
3: yeah. And, and
1: Boston doesn't, and you see that in the playoffs all the time. And that's, that's what it's, it's like the, it's a tired old adage, but it's true. I mean, defense is what wins championships at the end of the day. That's, that's, that's a huge part of it. All right, let's, let's shift it over. Let's swing it over to the, uh, to the Western Conference, so this one, man, this one is to me is is fascinating in its own right because you have like Houston, who at, at the beginning of that series, everybody was like yeah, they're done, like they, they don't have a chance. They have the look at the talent gap here, and I think you do see that. Um, but Houston too, like just just kind of like Boston, I mean, they they're winning games with defense, which is also very weird for Houston. But they they also what they shot sub forty percent um, in Game Five and, and still end up winning winning the basketball game. The, the, the big now the big thing is is you know Chris Paul and, 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 the, and the hamstring injury and how is that going to um, how is that going to affect Houston because he's already ruled out for game six um, do they do they have enough to get over I think some people so I saw somebody say this on Twitter and I apologize to the person because I don't remember who it was I'd wish I could give them a shout out but they really said game six um without Chris Paul and and then potentially if Chris Paul's out game seven especially this is like a defining moment of James Harden's career right now in this Mm -hmm. in this point here here he is against Goliath uh he has lost the guy who honestly has been carrying him uh the past couple games in Chris Paul uh now now he's got to uh, now he has got to be the MVP that he likely is going to get uh, or be awarded this year and he has got can he take his team over the stop over over the Warriors get them to the finals um Mark let me ask you man what uh what is the likelihood do you think Houston can overcome uh Golden State and potentially not having Chris Ball for these last two games
2: so the beginning of this series I thought Golden State was just going to roll Houston um uh, right. and Houston has really shocked me with their defense and that combination of Harden, Chris Paul, and Mike D'Antoni has not just rolled over and died even after the 41-point loss. Um, I was even more surprised that I, I heard on a podcast, it was either this morning or yesterday, that Harden is 0 for his last 20 on three-pointers. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, think he was 0, for 0 for 11. 11 or 0 for 5. 3, right? I think he missed his last nine prior to that in the game prior. So for them to be able yeah. to win with Harden missing his last 23s um, has already blown me away, but... If Chris Paul can't play, um, I just don't see how they can close it out. Chris Paul's been great on both ends of the floor. Um, he's getting up under Durant, and Durant can shoot over him, but Durant's not shooting a high percentage when he's doing that. Chris Paul had some very clutch buckets at the end of the game, including that floater. Um, I just, I think Houston's already only been playing something around a six-man rotation, um, right. maybe seven, and if that cuts down to... Five to six. I just don't see how they'll have the legs to <clears throat> close out Golden State, even though Golden State hasn't quite looked like the juggernaut we're all used to. Right.
1: Yeah, it's um, like I said, I, I think the only way you could do it is if James Harden <laughs> plays like like we've seen him play. That's the thing is James Harden is an excellent player. I don't I'm not here to say that I like the way he plays necessarily. I think it's a really good Ugly white form of basketball, but um, mm-hmm. he, he's he's really 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 good at it, um, and he's just like, disappeared these past two games. And if you remember last year uh, in a game seven, right, he completely disappeared. And it's like this is this is your moment, man. If you want to be like like the best, you, you, you've gotta you've gotta step up. And it, uh, and obviously, it's not like James Harden doesn't care. He cares tremendously. So it's it's clearly just a mental thing right now with him. Um, but if he if he doesn't come out of that funk, there I mean there is no chance if they don't have Chris Paul. Um, Ashley, what about you? I mean, would you agree with that if, if 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 Chris Paul is is not going to be back in the series, then then they're pretty it's going to pretty much sink the uh, the Rockets.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think then you're looking at a, a a similar situation to what LeBron's trying to do right now, and and James Harden is not LeBron James, and so you know I think that he's an incredible player, but the Golden State Warriors have so many incredible weapons that, you know, they've been able to... The Houston Rockets have been able to kind of keep pace. I think, A, because the the Warriors aren't really, like Mark said, playing to the the caliber that they have been or that we know they can. Um, And But also, it's just, you know... Without him, without Paul, it's just James against the 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 big regime. <laughs> right, right. And I don't I don't think he can make it happen. I am also quite surprised that they've um, had the defense that they've had because um, Houston has and James Harden is you know notoriously not a defensive team. And so I think that you know kudos to them for for doing better. But you know if the say say the Rockets do go uh to the finals and the celtics do go i think uh defensively they they would they wouldn't win
1: (laughs) yeah it would be um it would be be really tough though again even even it's funny to think about that too if you think about the celtics and the um uh and the rockets playing each other in the finals i again i would say man chris paul is kind of the wild card here because i I mean terry rogier has played very well but uh Going up against a guy like, 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 uh, who, in my opinion, was the top three point guard of all time, uh, in Chris Paul, that, that's, that's incredible. I think that would be the, the mismatch that you would try to exploit, just, just as they're, they're essentially doing right now, uh, against, uh, against Golden State. They're not necessarily ISOing, um, Paul onto, onto Curry every time, but they are, they are trying to go after Steph Curry, uh, 100% every time down on offense. That's, uh, that's pretty obvious. And that's, um, that's I, th- I think they would they would probably attack uh, Boston in a similar way because you know you don't want mm-hmm. to attack Jalen Brown you're not going to really want to attack Jason Tatum you're certainly not gonna you're not gonna try and put Clint Capella on the post against uh, against Al Horford and try and go that way so it's a uh, or, or, or in Boston with playing Baines now too as, as a starter it's, it's mm-hmm. uh, very tough defensively but it it's just it's so interesting that here's a guy in Chris Paul uh, that a lot of people uh, a lot of people have have have, have, have you know, criticized because he's never been past the second round of the playoffs. Um, and now going up against uh, arguably the greatest team of all time, he is, he is making, um, you know, he is the one who's carrying this team, not, not James Harden, who's been a, been a, a major part uh, of, of, of everything that Houston right. does. So it's, um, God,
3: I like it's, that because he's deserving of criticism for not making, if if he's going to be ranked as a top three point guard, then I think that he deserving of criticism for not making it past the second round. My, I'm always a prove it person, right. you know. So, you know, for him, I, I think it's great to see him step up. And it's going to be a shame if an injury holds him back from really doing that.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where um, because so it's funny because I was having this debate. I was having this debate through texting and then on Twitter with uh, with Altitude today uh, with Josh Dover and, and Mark Moser on there. Uh, on their show it was kind of fun but um it was uh i was you know i was telling was like i think chris paul's a top three point guard and when you look at it statistically it's like without question uh you know i I, if you compare him to to jason kidd steve nash isaiah thomas uh those who were those were three of the guys i compared him to and, and statistically he um overall uh he 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 beats all of them uh but then you also compare him to to magic johnson and john stockton not as much, and that's why I would think you had to put uh, certainly Magic Johnson. I mean, Magic Johnson's greatest point guard of all time because not only does he have all the stats, he was also the best player on a team that won multiple championships. Um, so that's uh, that's a huge part of it. John Stockton, of course, doesn't mm-hmm. win a ring. Uh, he got there too into back to back years on, ran into Michael Jordan. So it's uh, <laughs> it, you know it, you kind of you kind of give him a little bit of a pass. On that, and so with Chris Paul, you're right. It's it's a shame. It's, it'll definitely be a shame. And I, I don't know. Looking at the injury, I don't think he. I think the chance of him playing Game Seven um, are not high. So, yeah. um, it, it would be a, it would be a shame to to if if Houston does get eliminated for them to uh, get this far, basically on his back, and then him not be able to get this team uh, into the finals. And I think they'd have a great chance of beating uh, Cleveland, and and just and I think it'd be a pretty much a, a coin flip against. Boston, but they would. um, It would be a shame if they didn't get that that opportunity just because he was out. All right, Mark, uh, we got just a minute left, so I'll let you. Any closing thoughts on on Houston Golden State?
2: It's a shame if this series comes down to a Chris Paul injury. I have not been a fan of Houston, and I wasn't rooting for Houston, but I also haven't loved the level of almost boredom we've seen from golden state and i would have liked if they at least had to earn it
3: right hmm.
2: absolutely yep That's a good point. Um, it is um
1: and it, somebody was bringing this up this is another thing on twitter and again i apologize because i keep forgetting who it was but um they were they were pointing out all the different times golden state has has got ran into a team a very good team in the playoffs and 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 they they've been um they've been weakened by injury uh which has helped Golden State. which i mean Golden state's obviously going through their own injuries right now as well steph curry is um certainly certainly not 100 percent and that is that is i think hurting them uh tremendously right now but it was just funny they're pointing out it's always it seems to always and i was like yeah it goes all the way back uh even to when this golden state team had their coming out party which was against the denver nuggets uh in the playoffs back in 2013 mm-hmm. and the nuggets were, were without danilo gallinari who was their best player on the team that year because he had uh, that was the year he tore his knee about like fifteen games before the start of the playoffs and then and then also Kenneth Reed was on uh was not a hundred percent because he was playing on a bad ankle uh in that series as well so it 's just kind of funny this seems to always work out for golden State that being said they, there's no doubt there they're they're the most the best one of the best teams we 've ever seen uh, on the planet if not if not the best team ever so give them credit i guess as well all right we are out of time i want to thank everybody for tuning in like i said sorry it's been a tough couple of weeks for us uh, make sure to follow all of us on twitter i am at zach Nikosh. ashley is at ashley at ashley nba hoops
2: mm-hmm.
1: yes yes i always i always forget your name <laughs> mark uh mark's not really it's hard to twitter. say yeah yeah he's <laughs> It's Correct. To say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark is, uh, Mark is more of a more, Mark is, like I said, he's chief moderator. So what you want to do is you want to get into the comments. And if you really want Mark, uh, to interact with Mark specifically, just start popping off and he'll be sure to speak to you privately <laughs> about about what you're doing. Please don't, so. Please don't listen to
2: that.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Actually, don't do that. That's, we don't want to make Mark's life any harder. Um, all right. Also, at Denver Stiffs, at NBN-Radio, we're on Instagram, at The Denver Stiffs. Also on Facebook. Give us a follow. Give us a like. We always kind of put some content up there that you don't necessarily um, get to see it all, all anywhere on the site. Um, and if you guys are listening to the podcast version, number one, why aren't you listening to nothing but nut radio on Dash Radio? You can get it in your car through the Dash Radio app. Also available through GM uh, and all of their vehicles. You can find that right through your dashboard. But uh great, great channel all kinds of nba team specific shows just like ours from experts who cover the team daily just like ours so you you want to check that out also just some cool music when there's when there's not um when there's not any sort of nba show going on on there so make sure you listen to that but if you are listening to the podcast version we would appreciate it if you give us a rating and subscribe and all right i think that 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 pretty much uh, is all the business we have to do here so ashley mark uh, appreciate you both being on Thanks for having for having me. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week.
2: time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than
0: $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety
2: sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.